Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we get... Yeah, thank you for joining us. We've wow. been a podcast. <laughs> We've been a podcast for 33 episodes. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to leave that in. Okay, so thank you for joining us uh, as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them and just why we like them. Um, for those of you counting, this is episode for thir- wow. Woo. We've been a podcast. 33, 33, coming at you on December 3rd, 2018. See, this is what happens when I do the canned entry. If I just did it live, if I just did it normal, everything would be fine. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I'm joined by... <laughs> Stu Gritter. Hello, Stu Gritter. Did you notice I almost said Ferty Free? Yeah. Which is an issue I had when I was a child. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> like, I, I know. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I liked oh, it. Oh, wow. Hey, you should actually uh, do it more often. A lot of some speech therapy to get me out of that. Uh, yeah, my THs. I always, I used to say them as, uh, as like, F. like Fs. Yeah. As Fs. Um, yeah, my son does something like that, but he's a two-year-old boy, and it's not Fs. He, <laughs> it's, he, like, there's Ts. There's hard Ts in yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it, it's uh, a little bit more acceptable when you're two years old. <laughs> he sounds like he's Japanese because he adds um, he adds additional syllables to everything. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun because like if you say my name in Japanese, it's like Chesu Sturarolenbarguzu, right? So yeah. it's like yeah. not I'm not being racist. Like it's kind of how that plays out. Um, yeah, that's how my son talks, um, which is cool. I mean, I dig it. Uh, we should get so him on here. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that would go great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe when he, you know, maybe in ten years, or just you know, to do the still... episode numbers at least. Yeah. Wow, hey, funny. Hey, You're funny. It'd be a step up. So, Stu, how are you? <laughs> doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. So, um, for anybody who has never been here before and is still here, thank you for sticking around. That's so nice of you as we deal with our shit on the front end of the show instead of the back end or offline. Um, So for anybody who's unfamiliar with what Learn From Gaming is, Learn From Gaming is a podcast dedicated to looking at some of our favorite games and dissecting what we can learn from them and why we like them. Um, Now, in terms of learning, there's all kinds of different ways to interpret it. Like... Um, you can take the type of geography you might get from, from playing a strategy game or from even playing, um, pirates is a good example, Stu, uh, you use that one. So like, you know, way more about the Caribbean than I do. Um, or, uh, other examples are, um, uh, memorization, hand-eye coordination, but also we, we talk about like the, the socio-political stuff as well. So, um, what it's like to engage with the internet growing up, at least what it was like in the 90s, back when the internet was shiny and new. Um, and, like, personal uh, stories about how we engage with certain games. And that's really what we're trying to dig at. Like, we're not professionals. We're just, uh, we're two guys talking about games and what we learn from them. Um, hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, if not, send us an email. Tell us why you didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, so, Stu... Mm. Uh, before we jump into things, I want to, I want to talk about the podcast. Are we allowed to talk about the podcast? Uh, no. Okay. Good. This is. I don't think this is the right format. <laughs> no, you're right. This is not. This is not the right venue to be talking about the yeah. podcast that we're yeah. recording right now. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so anybody who doesn't have access to our analytics wouldn't know that we recently hit uh, 1,000 downloads. So we've hit 1,000 downloads of all of our episodes. Um, so for anybody who is keeping track, that is, I believe, yes, all the way up to 28. You'll notice this is episode 33. We only have 28 posted at the moment of this recording, but 29 will probably go up in a couple of weeks, followed by 30, etc., etc. Um, so I don't have like any noise making devices. So I just want to say thank you to everybody out there who's interested. You've taken the time to download over a thousand cause it's over a thousand now. Yeah. Um, episodes. Um, I'm hoping that at least half of those got listened to. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Did not expect, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, what I expected, but, uh, definitely did not expect, people to listen to us a thousand times so yeah that's uh, neat yeah. yeah that is pretty neat i mean Stu, you probably expected people would listen to you at least a thousand <laughs> times uh, i don't you, know about uh, that you draw a crowd i know you do um so yeah uh from the bottom of our hearts and the centers of our throats thank you <laughs> yeah yeah it's a big thank you doesn't really matter yeah. where it comes from yeah wherever don't, it don't comes need from. to be too explicit no, that's fair. Okay, yeah. Um, also, I'm sick. It might come up. It might not come up. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So I, I think anyone who's been listening for that many episodes knows you're sick, Chase. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like like I'm physically sick. Not. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The mental health Sorry. issues. Um, we can. I I would actually love if anybody just feels like talking diagnosing to me. you. Any any professional that wants to do pro bono work, <laughs> feel free to contact me. Um, I'm, I've probably actually got coverage through my health insurance, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that some other time. Um, okay. So Stu, we're going to move into the next section. Do you have any articles we are going to talk about what we learned this month? Uh, the, the only thing I want, I wanted to make fun of was the fallout release. <laughs> but, okay. But there's so much coverage about that everywhere. We don't right, need to so, talk about it. It's just so hilarious. Hold on a second. Yep. I'm just going to say something. So for yep. everybody out there. Uh, this is the segment of the show where we cover we cover tech news and video game news. So if you ever want to hear us discuss any topic at all, feel free to share uh, share articles with us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we've got Facebook. Also, we've got Twitter. We are not hard to find. Um, go send us stuff. We will 100% talk about it. So, stu- okay, no, let's elaborate because if we want to make this sort of a, a, a timeless episode, <laughs> um, people, let's say maybe a year or two years down the line might not actually understand what this fallout issue is. Um, so you're talking 76, right? Yeah. Okay. So what's wrong? Uh, 76. Yeah, but it's wrong. Why? Because okay, I, I so, have just stopped reading the stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't pick it up because it looked like it was going to be a shit show, and it turned into a big shit show. Like, it it looks like somebody at the company was trying to do a quick cash grab. They were using an older engine stuff, yeah. like new, like really old bugs, new bugs, empty world. Like, the experience has been awful. Usually, like... Even the the hardcore Bethesda Fallout fanboys are really upset. Um, yeah, it's received one of the lowest ratings possible from everyone in the world. 
Yes, uh, it's, it's it's what it's yeah, just it's, it's been appalling. Getting shit kicked right now. Yeah, yeah, and with no signs of of turning that around. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's been interesting to watch. <laughs> That's yeah. Fair. It it's like, it is actually very similar to a train wreck. Wow, wow. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Um. Yeah, seventy six. Oh man. Um. Just, yeah, like just game decision, yeah. game design mm. decisions uh, appear to have all been made incorrectly. Monetization things terrible. Yeah, so um, the for, server for any, side of stuff awful. Like just yeah. everything is just so wrong. F- for anyone who like lives in in a semi detached fashion and doesn't know what's actually going on, Fallout seventy six is not the seventy sixth Fallout game. It's just the name of the vault that you come out of. It's actually a game that was specifically designed to be a multiplayer Fallout game, but the only thing that is Fallout about it is the environment, and even that has been pared back and stripped back in such a way that it doesn't feel like a living environment. Um, a, a parallel, but how it works, would be... Okay, so World of Warcraft at launch, there were tons of NPCs. Um, they didn't all have like actions that they were doing like there were occasionally like workers that would go and cut wood and stuff and then sometimes they get attacked by monsters none of that npc sort of stuff exists you go into fallout 76 you don't run into npcs you run into dead bodies of either newly or very long ago dead things the only and the only other living things you run into are um so adversaries so like uh, actual monsters in the game or other players um and i don't know i feel like they're uh, this sort of survival ist kind of gameplay has been captured in conan uh the, the most recent online conan um there are there are just there are other games that are already doing this in a world that feels so much more alive yeah um yeah yeah it's just there there i mean i haven't touched it full disclosure haven't touched it yeah. but i'm also not interested in it it's not something that grabbed me it's not something that i wanted to engage with so <coughs> yeah. excuse me so yeah it's uh uh we'll see how that story develops and in what direction it goes in but uh not particularly optimistic and no. what this is doing is it's uh it's really souring people's opinions of the developer who is Bethesda right yeah and yeah. it it's the kind of thing that i would love to see that affect their future pre-orders uh yeah. i would be surprised if it does yeah but it's it's kind of like it's a brilliant lesson for consumers to learn there but i don't expect it to happen yeah um Mm-hmm. Like there were the the collector's edition was over two hundred US, I think. Mm-hmm. For that, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because I didn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it is one of those things. Um. Oh, what a story. Okay, so moving on to bad stories. Uh, I have a Fortnite addiction is forcing kids into video game rehab story. Oh, nice. Um, so this one, how this one came on my radar was it shifted over from uh, the St. Catherine Standard. 
Um, so that's how I noticed it. Um, but it's actually, it was, re- so that's like our local paper. Yeah. Um, so they, they published it in our local paper, but it's a re republished from Bloomberg, uh, which is a pretty, pretty predominant, uh, business magazine. Now why business is writing <laughs> about, uh, socio video game stuff. I don't know. Um, anyway, this is a horrible article <laughs> and it is written, um, it is written specifically about video game addiction and, uh, its influence on kids. And it is, it, it does this weird sort of deep dive into like the, the mechanics of this family that has a 17 year old son who's logging 12 hours of video game play a day. Um, how the parents feel helpless, how they can't stop it. Um, how they're dismayed that their child is playing in this World War Three world. Uh, <laughs> like it's, um, it's it's uh, it's pretty troubling. Um, comparing comparing the game to cocaine uh, or heroin. Yeah, I had a thirteen-year-old in my office who said he had. 300 Fortnite wins. Oh yeah, like the it you just they they've got specialists yeah. that they list. Um but for all the wrong reasons, it's yeah, it's just it's nuts. It's not a great article. Um and it just sort of pulls these quotes out of nowhere and it it talks about the business side of uh of gaming um and and how much money is being made. Um and then it it starts talking about uh rehab. Now, my issue with rehab, like video game rehabs, is like what it, they're really just going to take the addiction model and create a center for that. Yeah. And I don't know if that's really solving the problem. Um, because if if I've learned nothing else about addiction, it's that in a number of ways, the addiction surfaces because of other issues that exist not in all not in all cases and again not an expert chase is not an expert (laughs) but um (coughs) specifically it's usually symptomatic yeah yeah specifically in in the example of video game addiction which is something that we can't say doesn't exist anymore because unfortunately a number of organizations in the world have recognized it Mm -hmm. so we can't say this isn't really a thing um people are reporting on it um, my my concern with this um, with this article that is in this newspaper um, is that it's it's just it's really demonizing video games. It it almost feels like the '90s again. Um, yeah, uh, like yeah. Um, Fortnite is the new Mortal Kombat, and it's going to destroy everybody's lives. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is um, because so many people are talking about Fortnite, uh, I bounced. I bounced this article around in, uh, in the geek therapy community. Uh, so, uh, geektherapy.com for anybody who's never been there, check it out. Uh, there's also a really cool Facebook community. Um, and somebody bounced another article back to me from the Swissonian. So Swissonian.com hmm. or Smithsonian.com. Sorry. Um, and, uh, what the popularity of Fortnite has in common with 20th century pinball craze. So this article, this other article <laughs> is awesome. Yeah. Because it just talks about how people freaked out about pinball machines, how pinball machines were corrupting the youth, basically stealing from them. 
Um, yeah. Stealing them of their futures because there was so much wasted time on these machines. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it is just. I'm gonna put both of these articles in the in the show notes. Anybody who's interested can read them. Um, it's really, really, really fun because something that happens that we often don't really notice, especially as you get older, is that technology scares the hell out of people, and sometimes they don't really know how to engage with it, mm-hmm. and so then it's a knee jerk reaction. Um, sometimes on a political level, um, and sometimes it's all, it's just to make money. Um, and I would argue that whoever is establishing video game, um, rehab centers is probably going to be making a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether or not those, uh, institutions are actually even helpful is a whole other story, but that is just, it's a market that's opening up that I would argue maybe isn't necessary. Just regular, like either regular therapy or just um, just counseling should be enough to clean up most of these situations unless there's something much larger going on in the background. Um, so yeah, it was just like pinball. This is pinball yeah. all over again. Or like yeah. Mortal Kombat 2 all over. Mortal Kombat 1, sorry, all over again. Like it's just, it's so weird. <laughs> it's like... Time is a circle, and we're right back to where we started um, in terms of games as entertainment. Um, the parallels of gambling, though, are, are interesting. Uh, yeah. And that's coming up a lot in the uh, loot crate discussion, which I don't know enough about, but I know that they're still mulling it over in the U.S. In different places, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um but yeah, that's all I got today. So what what are your thoughts? Well, it's it, it's frustrating to see that I mean chemically uh games need to be treated differently than traditional addictions because it's not like people aren't licking Fortnite cartridges and getting high like it's it's the act of having the the minor successes in a game that makes kids feel good and they're not I mean they're not getting that from school or doing chores like so so you can't like the chemical that you're trying to keep away from them is something that is healthy that they're just not getting anywhere else yeah. which is very different from um, like alcohol or heroin destroying somebody's life and body it like it it just it is a different thing yeah, and so far all we see is this, the same kinds of treatments, being attempted. Uh, e- yeah. Even even things yeah. like even things like uh, the tests that people, because um, I popped onto that that site to see. Uh, there's a test there for parents to take to see if their kids are addicted to Fortnite, and it some of it's like, does your kid feel bored or sad when they can't play? Well, the fucking course, because they want to play the game and you're not letting them. Yeah, but like, the the problem is like that is literally the diagnosis process that yeah. exists right now for game like gaming is, addiction in general utterly or gaming ridiculous. disorder. Yeah. Um, and here's here's another issue is like gaming addiction and gaming disorder. Probably <laughs> it's different no, it's, things. It's, it's yeah, it's it's nomenclature. Yeah. But like that metric that you're describing is uh, what people are are uh, are using to to sort of identify these things, and it's just so messed up. Because the argument, like, I, I think anyone who engages with video games 
will hit that mark, right? Will eventually hit something that resembles gaming disorder yeah. at some point in their life. Yeah. Um. So it's I don't know it's, it's problematic. It's kind of weird. Yep. Yeah. Um. Again, we're not experts. <laughs> But it's just, like, it's so frustrating to engage with this. Also, from, like, a writing perspective, from, from like, just a critical perspective, the demonization of video games, the way that they're being handled by some media outlets is just sloppy and goofy. Like, it's fear-mongering for no good reason. Um, Because we don't have enough of that in 2018. Yeah. there needs to be a new enemy, I guess. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's one of the reasons I take such issue when I see this stuff pop up yeah. in newspapers. I don't think that it's necessary. Um, but so for, for a lot of people, and specifically the reason why these articles come up is because of trends on things like Twitter and social media of, like, parents or uh, older individuals complaining about this specific thing. Um, also that study from, I think it's the UK that actually gets cited in the first article I was talking about, uh, is all about, um, the divorces, uh, divorces in the UK, uh, mm-hmm. battle, the battle royale style, uh, type of gameplay. So Fortnite was one of the reasons for breakups of marriages. <coughs> so like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. But like ten years ago, it would have been wow. So like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, um. Yeah. Just so funny. So funny and sad. Okay. So that's where we are. I wish we had a good happy article. Um. But I don't. I don't today, and I'm sorry. Um. Although the comparison to pinball is actually a nice, light, funny kind of read. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited for yeah. anybody who is actually interested. Once those are both up back to back, read them both and just think about the differences and what's actually being said in the pinball article versus what's trying to be established in the demonization yeah. Fortnite addiction article. Um, okay, so Stu, yeah. uh, let's shift into our next section, which is learn from gaming. Um, so this is the section of the show where we discuss games that we like and what we learn from them. So Stu, do you want to talk about your game first or do you want me to talk about mine? Um, why don't you go first today? All right. So I will go first today. <coughs> there we go. Uh, I'm all done. <laughs> that was my <laughs> game. The game was how long can I not breathe? Um, okay. So today I want to talk about Final Fantasy Tactics. Nice. So Final Fantasy Tactics was a PS1 game that has since been ported to basically everything you can imagine. Um, it was designed by Squaresoft and published by Squaresoft. I think it was a Matsuno uh, Matsuno game. Um, very distinct style and type of gameplay. Um, it was published in North America back in January 1998, and I remember that because we went into a game store and bought it with money we had from Christmas, and it was awesome. Nice. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but it, it had originally been released in June 1997 in Japan. Um, so genre type, it's a fantasy setting, tactical turn-based RPG, um, JRPG, uh, and its core mechanics is you assemble a small army, I think it's like two, like up to something absurd, it's almost like a hundred different characters that you can assemble, 
But those spaces fill up quick because there's a bunch of NPCs that you can you can get. Or not NPCs, but they're like set characters. Um, so you assemble a small army of individual customizable soldiers, which you can choose as combatants in a square grid battlefield for turn-based combat. Uh, defining qualities of this game are the job system, which I will go into deeper depth in in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, the options available for customizing your characters, which will be attached to the job system, which I will explain very shortly, and also the option to seduce other characters and even monsters to your cause. Um, Right, so... (coughs) uh, This game lets you take control of what starts out as sort of a, a traveling knight's brigade then becomes and i'm not spoiling this like 20 year old game too much um then becomes a uh a a mercenary band um and one of the major draws was it was basically a really really customizable final fantasy where you could change the jobs of any one of your characters make them into anything you wanted so you could be a black mage a thief um, I don't think you could be a Dark Knight, but you could be a Dragoon, you could be a Ninja, and there was a bunch of other classes. You could be a Dancer, a Summoner. Um, I'm not going to go into every single job. Uh, that's not really the point of this uh, this section, but needless to say, there were lots of options, yeah. and there was no wrong way to play this game. In fact, um, how how the job system worked is when you fought in combat, and there was a lot of combat in this game, you would wander around on basically like a a cloth map style, um, like you would just go up and down these lines to different uh, geographical areas, and if you hit a random encounter, you would get in a fight, or you could push through the story by going to the allocated dot on the map. (coughs) And then you would just, you would deploy your units, Uh, you got to choose what got put out, and... um, as you fought, uh, you would get both character experience and uh, job or ability points. And I'm pretty sure it was job points. So you would get both of those for performing tasks in a fight. Um, and y- what was really interesting about that is you could get experience for anything. Like doing basically anything as long as you acted. Um, I, you, you wouldn't get experience for walking, but you would get experience for stuff like uh, using items... So one really easy way to start getting experience was to uh, get the ability throw item on a chemist. And then you would just like throw potions or whatever at at people. That was always really fun. Um, And so this square grid, what was interesting about it is it also had like height elevations and stuff. (coughs) So lines of sight were important. There was also environmental uh, deterrence. So like you could get bogged down in swamps. Or I can't remember if there was lava or spikes or anything like that, but there were like all, there were there was the option for like gaps. Um, it was I, I don't know it was it was very interesting in that respect. Um, I think I'm gonna j- just sort of shift into uh, customization of characters. So what you got is a base character. You would start at like an entry level job and as your job points went up, your job level went up and you could either unlock all of the abilities in that job or once you hit a certain job level, you could choose to basically change to another job. (coughs) But those, 
extra jobs had uh, certain job requirements. So you needed so many levels in either chemist or uh, I think it was like uh, squire, or whatever the, the starting level of a physically based character mm-hmm. was. Um, and then you would unlock things like fighter, monk, thief, um, black mage, white mage. Um, and eventually you, you start going down those lines. You'll get like summoner, um, moderator, all kinds of different crazy names like ninjas and, and dancers and stuff. Uh, but what was really cool is all of the abilities that you unlocked, um, some of them were passive, some of them were active. You had the option to equip those on your character. Once they were unlocked, they were always unlocked on, on that character, and you got to choose whether or not your character could use them. So a good example is once you leveled up, say you were a black mage and then you're just like, you know what, it's awesome that this guy's a black mage, but now I want him to be a ninja. So you would shift him over to being a ninja um, once you had all the prerequisites. And so then you could have a ninja that had access to all of the black mage skills that you had learned as long as you equip the the black magic ability, of which I think you could only set up... You could only have access to two or three different skill sets beyond the one that you were equipped um but that's still pretty versatile enough yeah yeah still very very versatile um not to mention that regardless of job um you got access to all of the the passive skills so you could equip whatever passive skills you wanted from whatever job they didn't have to be job specific um so this game very quickly became an exercise in how to break it (laughs) <laughs> like how to absolutely game the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, and that was part of the fun. Uh, that was really part of the fun. So pros for this game, the music is really good. The sprite work is really good. Even today, this game looks awesome. <coughs> the gameplay uh, is, is engaging. If you are a turn-based strategy fan of any type, this is a game that you need to check out if you haven't yet. And it's aged pretty well. The story is decent. So, you know, wouldn't hurt you to, to give it a shot. And it's it's basically everywhere. I think it's even on uh, cell phones now. Um, customization of characters was a huge pro. Because uh, you could literally make whatever you wanted. Combat, it felt good. Um, and there was a bunch of like minor features that really sort of helped set this game apart. So one example was uh, height. Like where the character was located. If you were high enough and you got knocked back, you would fall off of your elevation and you could basically like plummet into like into a cavern or whatever it would hurt right like that would deal damage which was something that you didn't see a lot of back in i'd say 97 98 that wasn't happening a lot in rpgs so it was it was novel but it was like it was actually kind of cool um also doing critical hits would result in knockback so sometimes you would accidentally hurt someone (laughs) in a a really spectacular way Um, you could have spells that would cover large um, er- effect areas of effect, especially summons. Um, they had like these huge patches. But how spellcasting worked is it was timed. So unless you were focused, unless you had dictated for your caster to focus on a certain area or focus on a certain character, you could choose to cast a spell on a certain character or cast a spell on an area of effect. Um, and uh, that had different and varying reactions as well so Mm -hmm. getting the hang of that was uh took a little bit of practice but was also very very interesting and you could actually manipulate that quite well um (coughs) 
<coughs> there was an initiative system, so whoever had higher initiative would go first, but you could always see who was going to go next. There was like a, a sort of like a ticker at the top, so you could see the images of the people who were going to go next, I think up to three or four people ahead. Um, so you had a good idea of what the next few turns were going to look like and who was going to be moving. Um, and I think you could actually expand that to see just how the the, the game was going to progress, yeah. like how each round was going to progress. Um, and that was great, right? Transparency is always great in a turn-based strat because sometimes things aren't always intuitive. Um, yeah, I mean, there was also there was equipment in this game. It's an RPG, so you could equip your guys. Uh, generally, you could only equip them based on their... Uh, allocated job but of course you could also choose to get uh, those passive benefits that allowed you to equip out of job yeah. uh, equipment which was which was uh, fun and interesting as well so you could have like a a black mage that was wearing like heavy armor stuff like that um, or alternatively you could have like this dinky little chemist that had trained as a ninja so had two daggers um you could do all kinds of goofy stuff like mm. that. Um, so cons, cons for this game. <laughs> it's an interestingly short list. Uh, so there was no multiplayer in this game, mm-hmm. um, which every time I played, I thought it would be so cool if you could somehow <laughs> balance this and make it like multiplayer and then just yeah. take like your super squad against somebody else's super squad. And it never happened. Um, and that's too bad. Cause I've, I've always been a fan of turn-based multiplayer. Yeah. Um, and there was, there was a system, this invisible system that was going on in the background. The <coughs> excuse me, that most people didn't even realize was there, and it was called the zodiac system. And it was not clearly explained what it was, but it was basically, whenever your character, every character had a birthday in the game, including like all the monsters and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and there were certain interactions, st- statistical, I might add. There's statistical interactions either favorable or negative that would occur for certain Zodiac signs if they were put into battle together. So um, a Leo might have a positive reaction to a cancer or a negative reaction to a cancer, stuff like that. And this was a system that at launch, most people had no idea even existed. Um, The actual impacts of it are minuscule, but it's something that I learned about almost a decade later, and I was like, that's in that, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Um, but it's enough that some people want to know it and use it uh, to their own benefit and then make super teams of just hyper-compatible uh, people. Um, yeah, so what did I learn from this game? There's a number of things that I learned uh, from this game um, and I, I, again, I'm trying to make this a positive episode, <laughs> but the, like this is gonna be, this is gonna be kind of a, a negative one. Um, but I, I want to start by saying that, like, taking the time to understand what's going on under the hood was so valuable for this game. So, like, seeing all the interactions, like we're we're talking over, I'm pretty sure it's over 15 jobs that you could be in this game. There's a lot of stuff in there, yeah. And I'm not, there. I don't remember all of it right? There's no way that I could remember all of it. Nobody's expecting me to. (laughs) Um, So I guess that could also be a con that like you could get overwhelmed by this game if uh, if this is your first entry in this kind of uh, play style. Um, But I always thought that was interesting. um, Doing the sort of chess 
player think ahead however many moves because you could see who was going next and you knew what was or you had to sort of predict what was going to happen that was really valuable um for some reason i never actually took it away from this game because if i play chess with someone i'm not generally thinking two or three moves ahead i'm just thinking the next move ahead which is why Stu, you're so good at beating me um but uh that was awesome, and it's something that the game encouraged. Like, it actually encouraged you to think about what was happening next. Like, don't just act. Like, think proactively. Look at what's happening on the board. Look how you can change the situation, especially magic. The magic system forced you to do that yeah. because you had to think about where is everything going to be four, ten, fifteen actions ahead. Yeah. Um, how should you lay down this spell? Um, and that that's uh, it's interesting because the game forced you to learn it, or else you just didn't use those classes. Like you couldn't because you couldn't figure out how to yeah, yeah. how to place a spell. Um, <coughs> now, certain negative takeaway is Square Soft, the company, the developer. I really, really thought that they would do a follow-up to this game. And they did. They released two uh, tactics games on the Game Boy Advance, so the the handheld. And I think they, they may have ended up on PSP as well. Not 100% sure. The problem is the innovations in those games aren't great and, in fact, limit how the games can be played um, in that they restrict things. They There's basically this, um, there's this uh, judge system that prevents you from performing certain things, and it, it, it really sort of restrains that creativity that came from all the customization. Um, but more importantly, other than those Game Boy Advance games, and we're talking, again, almost like 20-year-old games yeah. now, um, we haven't seen another entry. We've, we haven't seen anything else like this come out of Square, ever. And it's too bad because I like this was a very, very strong turn based RPG. We've seen a number of knockoffs. We've seen a number of iterations of games like this. So Disgaea is a good example. And it's a it's a very popular franchise because Square has never tried to inhabit this genre again. Um, But what I learned is that there are some companies that don't want to take the risk again, which is so weird for me. Um, because like it would have only benefited Square to iterate to try, yeah, on, yeah. on this type of play style instead of just letting it languish and die. Yeah. Um, and you, who knows, maybe we'll see it again, but, uh, uh, some news that we didn't really cover is that Squaresoft is not doing so hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah, their financial, their financial earnings this quarter were down, down, down compared to what they had anticipated and they are, yeah, they're not doing great. Yeah. Um, like, um, uh, members of their senior administrative staff have, uh, resigned. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not mm-hmm. good. Um, but he, yeah, I just, th- this is one of those situations where a big company that, that has a really valuable property that could push that property forward and really exercise the possibilities of that, that genre just sits on it and doesn't do anything. And that's, it's a frustrating thing that you actually see more often than not yeah. in games. Um, and what, what what blows my mind is like Capcom will 
throw money at a game like, uh, was it The Quiet Man? Have you heard anything about that game? The one where no, uh, I haven't. Okay, it's it's uh it's a it's a beat 'em up, well sort of a beat 'em up where you're you're playing a a, a semi deaf guy. All of the cutscenes uh, are unsubtitled, and it's really just sort of like it's a it's like a really dialed down version of the Peanuts talking, like the the parent for the Peanuts <laughs> talking. Yeah, they got released this year. It's it's like movie quality cutscenes. Um, and I'm just like, you, they spent money on this and it's not going to sell because uh-huh. it, it did not sell well. Um, like the <laughs> final fantasy tactics is an established property that continues to sell even to this day that I guarantee you would have sold better. Yeah. <laughs> even if they just like, even if they just use the same sort of graphics, like just keep it simple. People will still buy it, but for yeah. some reason, like uh, especially Japanese developers, like uh, uh, Konami is a good example. Square has always been an example of this. They always want to push things forward. They don't want to look back. Um, and and in some ways, you got to respect that. But in other ways, it's like, well, sometimes things worked. You'll notice that people really liked Final Fantasies back when they fit a certain genre and performed a certain way. And the more contemporary Final Fantasies are not selling as well. Yeah. Um, and that could either suggest that the the audience is moving on or that in your numerous iterations you have perhaps lost something that made the previous ones magical. Yeah. Um, and it's it's sort of a tough call because if you look at Dragon Quest, the newest Dragon Quest, I don't know how well it's sold, um, but I would argue that its, it's sales aren't over. We have to wait until uh, the end of the Christmas season to really see, but... Um, Maybe just scaling back and doing a slightly cheaper but simpler games? Yeah. It, I think part of it's that those big companies really want to see a certain level of quality. Otherwise, I think we, if that was not the case, I think we would see them farming out their IP more frequently to like yeah. let a small team use the Final Fantasy branding and IP to make another tactics game. Like yeah. it... it Generally speaking, turn-based games are a little bit cheaper to make than <laughs> the, you know, than than the kinds of games that Final Fantasy fifteen turned out to be. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they, I don't know, just don't don't want to or don't value that or. Yeah, it's a head scratcher. It really is. It's a little bit, a little bit frustrating. Even okay, even when the iron was still hot, because like mm-hmm. I can ar- we can argue now, like twenty years down the road, oh, yeah. there Hindsight's may not be a market yeah. for this, yeah. right? There may not be a market for this, but like early two thousands, if they had released a Final Fantasy Tactics two, like it would have sold, probably would have gone well. Yeah, yeah, it would have sold. <coughs> they just weren't interested in it. It's it's just it's interesting. There was this renaissance that was happening when uh, SquareSoft jumped over to. Uh, the PlayStation, they'd originally just been working with uh, with Nintendo. When they jumped over to the PlayStation, they tried so many new things. There was uh, games like Bushido Blade, which was yeah. a fighter, that like a deadly fighter where you could kill people in one stroke of your blade. Um, they they actually made a fighter. I think it was Einhander or Air Guys or something. Um, they tried all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Um, Legend of Mana turned into... Yeah, Legend of Mana was Legend of Mana, I think, and it was yeah. uh, 
it was a city building uh action rpg it was really really strange um they had the parasite eves which were very different um just uh yeah they really started to explore all kinds of different stuff and i think it's because they were uh flush with money at the time but it's it's just it's interesting to see what they latched onto and held onto and what they stopped caring about. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I guess with regards to that game in particular, um what do you think about the replayability? Like there's so much in terms of the job mixing and everything. Is it something that you would be happy to or be able to go back and play through multiple times to give it it's, different tries? It is harder to do as I get older, not because I don't want to. I would love to sit down and play that game again. Um, it's that I don't have the time. Yeah. If I want to play anything else, I don't have the time. Um, also, uh, I know I said it's ported on everything, but a version of the game that I want to play, um, I don't have access to. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, we'll, we'll see what the, the port on... Um, on the Switch ends up looking like because <coughs> I hear it's coming to the Switch shortly so and I expect that's where I'm going to want to play most of my games at least for the immediate future I mean I'm, I'm pretty sure there might be a port for Steam I'm going to check nope my Steam's off I will check another time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, we'll see I mean I'm sure the port for cell phone is, is okay but they're asking like 20 bucks for it um, yeah that's a bit much yes Square Square really charges you for uh, for any version of their game that you buy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, I would like to go back to that game and play it again. And I would play a new one if they released it. Yeah, I think yeah, I think a lot of people would. Yeah, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, neither here nor there. So Stu, what are you doing today? Well. Um, today, yeah, we're, this is a bit of a gear change. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we're going to go back to uh, an old Sierra game again. Uh-oh. Yep. We're going to talk about Space Quest 3. I like Space Quest 3. So do I. It was a lot of fun. So Space Quest 3 was uh, uh, kind of one of the first, first-ish point-and-click adventures. Uh, it still had the text parser. It released in 89, and you got to play as Roger Wilco in his third misadventure. Um, so, story-wise, the game was a little bit weird to just jump into if you hadn't played the previous. Uh, basically, um, Roger is scooped up into a garbage garbage ship, and yeah, just weird things happen hilarity ensues Sierra was in like all their games were still in a weird place where there wasn't always a driving force to their narrative from the get go you just kind of explored the space and saw what you could do Um, so there wasn't like you didn't get an introduction that would explain to you what your goals were Roger didn't necessarily have goals right away, so it was a little bit loose like that. Um, but 
you got to do a bunch of exploring. It was kind of gated. You'd be in kind of one spot, do some exploring, gain access to the next section, do some exploring. It was uh, inventory-based problem solving. And the the writing and the humor in it was a little bit, a little bit manic, a little bit zany. Uh, some of the solutions to some problems were hard to intuit, I would say. And that kind of made some of the exploration, it, it forced more exploration, which sometimes was interesting and sometimes good and sometimes it was just frustrating and exhaustive. Kind of depends if you happened to explore in the right direction of the solution you needed to find. Um, but the game itself was, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty solid. I think it's still, I don't know, as a, I don't know if cult classic is quite right. A lot of the Sierra games were really well received. I think this was because it, it had a, a, a pretty solid text parser. Uh, I think that the first two Space Quest games, the game would keep playing while you were typing, and Space Quest 3 was the first where the game would pause. So if you started to type something, uh, then the game itself would stop, so you weren't forced to try to like type things quickly. Uh, so th that helped things out a lot more as well. There was kind of like curbed a little bit of frustration there were other puzzles that uh, in in the previous games and this one that were a little bit time sensitive so if you were rushed typing or you made a, a spelling mistake in something you would just die in the previous ones this one you at least had another chance to to quick you know mash the keys again and and start typing your your sentence properly for the parser um the uh, yeah, the exploration itself led to a lot of dying, and in true Sierra format, a lot of the deaths were intended to be kind of humorous. Poor Roger, I think, was the butt of many, many hilarious deaths. Hilarious for us, probably less so for him, but that's okay because he's just pixels. Um, and that that kind of helped. Ex it helped players want to explore. And it also made the frustration of exploring a little bit lessened uh, because as you were, you know, struggling to find a solution, if you bumped into the wrong things, you'd at least get, you know, hopefully get something a little bit comedic, whether it was from him actually attempting something stupid or just a really good visual gag through his death or the death screen itself, the narrator might have something uh, a little bit quippy to say. Uh, there were a couple of mini-games throughout. Yeah, I don't want to forget that. Uh, so, partway through the game, Roger has to play on an arcade. And he has to play as a... What was it? Super chicken? Fly, flying chicken? Chicken something. Chicken chicken. A flying chicken. He was good. He was neat. So he plays on an arcade, does the chicken thing, and there was also a, like a robot fighting thing, um, like Rock of Sock and Robots, except they're actually giant robots. So you get to do that a couple times. And there was Astro Chicken, that's what it's called. Sorry, that just came to me out of nowhere. So Astro Chicken, <laughs> robot fighting. Um, and there are a few times where you're flying a spaceship and you 
need to kind of manage those controls as well. It's a little bit different. So there were a few mini game ish kind of things outside the normal, outside your standard fair adventure game problem solving. So that was that was interesting and refreshing too. I think I I don't think that the uh, I don't think that that was super common at that point in time. I mean, nowadays it's it's like you go into a, a decent budget game and you can't help but trip over mini games all the time. Uh, but it was a little bit newer back then, I think. So the game itself, I wound up actually, uh, I was introduced to this game through uh, my uh, babysitter's son. So I used to go to, then like to the babysitter's house, and they had a computer that had Space Quest Three on it, which was great. Uh, super interesting, ton of fun. Uh, for me, that meant that it was kind of a, a super blind playthrough. Like, I didn't... Back then, I didn't have... Like, we didn't have forums or Google to get solutions for things. So it was a very trial-by-fire kind of thing. Especially for... I mean, I was like four years old trying to, <laughs> trying, trying to play Space Quest. So it was good fun. Um, turned out to be quite interesting yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah good i'm glad (laughs) yeah so so it it was uh yeah it it was a good a good way of kind of just having a big sandbox like that to play through and try and solve a ton of stuff that i didn't necessarily understand uh even going through it again now like i said some of the (laughs) some of the puzzles and everything were and some of the writing and humor was was a little bit manic a little bit zany a little bit weird so some of the solutions, I think, didn't make sense to me back then. And I'm not certain they would even make sense to me now. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, just the, the, even as a kid, I don't think that the, the lack of intuitiveness of some of the solutions didn't necessarily hold me back from succeeding in the game, which was kind of refreshing. You know, a lot of times it's, uh, puzzles and problem solving if if it relies on logic rather than brute force exploration um, that that's more difficult for kids but again because some of the stuff was just you run around and you try and use your inventory on things that look different on the screen you know you're just kind of searching and looking for clues and trying to piece things together it's kind of relies on more creativity and resourcefulness rather than like assumed knowledge I guess made it a little bit easier to get through as a kid Um, it's definitely something that uh, friends and family played as well and it kind of became it's all it almost turned into like Easter egg hunting where then you could play through the game with somebody and you show each other all the ridiculous deaths that you happen to find as you were trying to get through the game on your own. And it, uh, yeah, so there was a little bit of, um, little bit of sharing in that kind of sense. Uh, I mean, same if you couldn't actually come up with a solution to a puzzle. Uh, th- there were enough people around that were playing it that 
you know, if you got stuck, you could get a solution from somebody. Uh, but more often than not, that somebody wasn't there with you when you were playing through it for yourself the first time. So you would be there trying to explore, trying to solve things, mashing buttons, furiously brute forcing, until you hopefully find something. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <coughs> art was Excuse interesting. Me. Music was interesting. The writing. I mean, R- Roger Wilco kind of already had a, a pretty solid character up to that point anyway. I think mm. maybe just solidified a little bit more. But he was... Yeah. He, he's a, he was an interesting character. He keeps almost being a hero that's the trademark of the series (laughs) yeah yeah he's never quite anything but he's also not insignificant yeah he's he's the kind of the unassuming um not i guess cut anti-hero is not the right word no but like very a very unassuming character who just happens to be in the right place at the right time kind of thing Mm-hmm. Is maybe closer. Ah, uh, wow. So, yeah. Mm. Even even his interactions with the other characters really, really exemplify that. And they do a lot of fourth wall breaking as well. I mean, the narrator takes the piss out of him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. There's some. Yeah. Uh, I remember. Well, I'm not. We're not going to talk too much about the end of the game, but like, there's. There's some great okay. sci-fi references in this game. Um, some of them are more heavily veiled than others, but yeah, uh, yeah. interesting, interesting game all around. I remember um, we started playing it, uh, and every like we just kept dying at the first place you could possibly die, which is like a conveyor belt in the garbage ship. <laughs> yeah, um, <coughs> and uh, yeah, that was awful um and it took (laughs) it took us a few months so we you know like we'd play that for we'd probably bash against that wall for about an hour every couple of months and then we finally get bored and yeah we we finally asked our cousin about it and she's like oh you just gotta type jump like just type jump Mm -hmm. so (laughs) and we're like what Yeah, because, uh, yeah, it, it, we didn't have the instruction manual. This is one of the... It was the good old days when you could make uh, copies of games yeah. on, on discs. So yeah. we had made a copy of uh, their version of the game. Yeah. And we were playing it at home, and we had no idea what types of adjectives <laughs> or... Yeah. Yeah, we, we just didn't know. Um, yeah, that was fun. What a what a goofy game. Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah, and Is it hard to go back to now? I don't think so. It's like the art style, yeah, was was limited. Um, I think some of the puzzles and some of the screens, yeah, are, it it can sometimes be a little bit difficult to tell what the key features are. Um, like I I know exactly what screen you're talking about, and the solution to that puzzle doesn't doesn't pop out simply because of the perspective of the of the shot right Mm -hmm. so but i don't think there are a ton of of problems like that in the game for the i don't think 
Um, I mean, looking, it's hard to look back at it now because I, I, like, would know the solution to all the puzzles, to all the problems. So I'm not yeah. sure. Like with coming at the problems without knowing them, I'm not sure how many of them would be super wonky. I know historically they they tend to be. Uh, even just some of the way you need to use some of your inventory items isn't necessarily intuitive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> okay. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, getting lost for a few months at <laughs> the first part of the game. Yeah. Like, if you, if you don't have a list of adjectives or you don't know how to use that uh, text parser, it can get... It can get... Real yeah. boring, real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think we had a manual for it. But it sounds like you had a community that was familiar with uh, it. Either. Um, yes, or at least had done... Uh, we played other text parsing games as well. Mm. So you kind of... I don't know if that... Maybe that, that helped. You kind of need to um, really narrow down the vocabulary you're trying to use because I mean developers didn't back then want to make a million thesauruses as is, is, is for their text parsers right so hmm. you know saying stand instead of get up you lazy twat <laughs> was an important thing to know thank you Stu <laughs> <coughs> oh, oh okay mm -hmm. sorry Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Yeah. Cool. It's a good um, game. Anything else you want to say about Space Quest Three? Um, no. I think I think it's it's relatively straightforward. There were a couple of different puzzles that actually had multiple solutions. Really? Um, yeah. That's not something uh, I knew. Um, they did have. They did. I mean like all the other Sierra games as well, they did have, they did track points. I don't remember which solutions had more points or if there were any places where you could proceed without getting points. They probably were. Um, I don't know how many pointless things there were. But uh, end of the day, I mean, it's all about the funny deaths. Anyway, yeah. more so than getting a score. Poor Roger. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he died many times for us too. Oh, yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. He died for our sins of ignorance, not knowing what to tell him to do. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes died because we knew exactly what to yeah. tell him to do. Yeah. But that's um, okay. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was good. Uh, it explored a bit of creativity. <coughs> had to learn to be a bit creative, a bit resourceful. Uh, had to explore things a little bit. Yeah. Open to ideas. Try shit. Fail. Hmm. Be okay with that. Yeah. Good fun. <laughs> yes, it was a game of trial and error. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, did you want to move on to the other sections? Um, yeah, I think I think I'm done with Space Quest. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. At some point, we'll probably go through some other Sierra game, or or like maybe maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if that's that was a pretty concise wrap up for a massive genre. So maybe we'll touch on something similar again. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, yeah, uh, the point-and-click adventures or text-parsing adventures, um, Sierra, Sierra was infamous for them. Some of them were pretty great, yeah. uh, some of them not so much. Some of them were uh, just absolute flops, but... Um, yeah, this is just the first one that I actually engaged with, so that's why I picked it. Yeah, it was one of the first that we, uh, my household, ever engaged with. So my father, my brother, myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. All right, well. Yeah. There you go. Good so fun. are you ready for the next section, Stu? Oh, you better believe it. Do you know what the next section is, Stu? You just go ahead and intro it, and then I'll know. Okay. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so the next section is what can you teach us? And it's an empty section. Uh, someday, someday someone will send in an email, and I am so excited. What's funny is, like, the last email, or the last uh, episode we've posted, which is episode 29, mm-hmm. I believe had an email attached to it. Oh. Um, and we well, haven't gotten good. an email since, so every single episode that comes out after yeah. that one is just going to be send us an email yeah. <laughs> send us an email yeah 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 so uh, um if you have anything you so you being the audience not used to um if you uh, have anything you want to communicate to us or want to engage in a discussion with us feel free to send an email to us at learnedfromgamingpodcast@gmail.com and we'll we'll read it out loud uh, that's, yeah, that's probably. What we're like, yeah. <laughs> well, for for the most part, unless you're one of Sue's friends, in which case I let him read it. So whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if um, if you feel like it, shoot us an email, yeah. and we will we will read it on air and engage with it. Yeah. So, uh, next section is what we've been playing. So, Stu, what have you been playing? Oh, this is actually a nice big list. Okay. Yeah, because I I put a little bit of time into... uh, They released a new Room game, so the Room 3 came out. Okay, cool. Um, I just enjoy those games. They're puzzly games. Uh, Every now and then there's something that's a little bit pixel-hunty or a little bit disconnected in my mind. But for the most part, the puzzles are interesting. Um, The atmosphere of the game is consistent. Right. Um, Yeah, I just enjoy them. Okay, uh, they're, cool. they're cheap little puzzle games. I think they they go on sale quite a bit too. Anyway, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure they they get bundled up so you can get one and two or one and two and three at the same time. Uh, and they're yeah they're interesting enough. Uh, the music is uh, not disruptive. It's yeah it's just a nice nice little puzzly thinker thing to play through. Um, I've also been playing a little bit of Slay the Spire. That's it's a card game, right? Like it's a, a it's digital a, card game. Yeah, it's a deck build, single player deck building game. Uh, there are three different characters you can play with right now. You start with a basic deck, you slowly get new cards, um, and you get powers that kind of stay on your character that interact with your cards. Uh, you slowly beat up monsters. It, it's mechanically relatively simple, mm-hmm. um, but the cards that you get access to uh they're all randomized so it never i don't from my limited experience with it it doesn't seem to play the same way frequently you kind of have to uh 
try and come up with a winning strategy out of the cards that you are able to get. So you can't like go into the game with a strategy in mind. You have to adapt to the cards that you find and the relics that you find to like come up with a winning solution. There seem to be some things that are definitely more powerful than others, which is a little bit that's a little bit frustrating to me that your progress can be so randomly determined. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you can see why that is a thing. Um so yeah, I've been trying been trying to um there are three different characters I've been trying to like just beat the first level basically with each of the three characters and it seems to be the third guy I don't have a feel for it yet. I don't know. I don't know what he's supposed to do other than die in my hands. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and I actually have uh, I also picked up Return of the Obra Dinn. The Return of the Obra Dinn. I think I looked at this. So that's that was made by the guy who did Papers Please. Right. And the premise is that there's a boat that everybody died on and you get to go figure like you have a crew manifest and you get to see snippets of time and you have to determine the identities and the fates of all the souls that were on this boat and it's it's really really interesting it's really well done and everybody Um, on the boat is dead right that is unknown okay i I think some people get away okay cool. i haven't finished the game yet so i'm not spoiling because i don't know one way or the other but i think i'm I'm also not spoiling but yeah i think i think like but when the you majority encounter of people the boat, are dead. Yeah. yeah. When you encounter the boat, like part of, like the the primary game mechanic is figuring out what the heck happened. Yeah. Cuz it is Yeah. And it's actually it's the the story that you get to see as it plays out is actually pretty interesting. It's pretty engaging. Uh I I really like the way he's managed to present things. Uh the art style is very it was surprising. If you look at the screenshots, it doesn't quite do it justice. It's monochromatic. Um, and still shots, I think, look a lot worse than when you're in the game and things are moving. Like, because you're on a boat, the there, there's weather, the sails are moving, ropes are moving. It actually brings everything to life really, really well. Okay. And, and the... I don't quite want to say simplicity, but he uses the art style really really effectively in multiple ways um if you want to see it it's almost like it has the elegance of pixel art i would say okay like the way he's able to the way he's been able to use simple things very effectively it's been really really neat it's really cool um writing's good yeah really really enjoying it that's probably going to be what eats my time more than anything else for the next little while. Okay. I've heard I've heard other people talk about this game. Um, it sounds it sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. It isn't something that you play every day. It's not something you encounter. No, no. It's it's vastly unlike anything else I played, which I I think drew me to it. Uh, I wanted to get a feel for I started watching the let's play and very quickly stopped watching the let's play because I wanted to go through it myself (laughs) yeah it it pulled me in really quickly I would say if you want to get a better feel for the game 
checking out Steam's store page isn't really going to do it justice. Um, mm -hmm. Watch somebody playing the game for a little bit. The, because the beginning is very simple. There is no tutorial. Just the first couple problems are very simple. It does walk you through the screens the first time you see them. So, sorry, in that sense, there is a tutorial. But it's kind of like you're doing it live. You're solving the game, and it's walking through you through the, the issues right away. Yeah. Um, so you won't lose out on any of the experience by watching <coughs> somebody play for the first little while. Right. Um, and it it really picks up later. It's really cool. Okay, that's very cool. Uh, very cool to hear. And it's another indie dev. Like, this is definitely somebody I'm going to have to keep my eye on. It's kind of like Arson Games. Uh, the stuff that they do is just... I, I'm I'm really impressed. Yeah. Big fan. Cool, man. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Like, I... Um, that's definitely was not on my radar. Um, heard it mentioned a few times in some other podcasts that I listened... Uh, listen, listen to? What is, what is happening? Fair what is happening? Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, you you giving it praise is uh, putting it on my radar. So that's, uh, that's really cool. cool. Have you played anything else? No, that's it. That's it. That long list was that's... actually kind of a short list. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long list for me. It is a long list for you. You didn't even say smite. Um, I'm proud of you, Stu. Um, okay. So I have been playing uh, two games in particular. Uh, one game that I'm playing is an older SNES game. It's called Demon's Crest. I'm playing it because I'm actually invited to be on another podcast. Yeah. And I, we're going to be recording, I think, tomorrow. Um, so classic gaming podcast with Robert Ring oh, and Jay yeah. Totoro. Um, so I needed a classic game to play. And wow, man, for, for a Super Nintendo game, Demon's Crest... So crest C R E S T, um, like the toothpaste. Yeah, it's uh, it's the sequel to I think Gar Gargoyles Quest and Gargoyles Quest Two, um, and it's basically like a character, uh, a lifted character from uh, Ghouls and Ghosts or Super Ghouls and Goblins. Um, uh, just like, and they were like, you know what? Let's make, let's make a backstory for this guy. Let's give him something to do he's just like this winged demon um and wow do they ever just send you into hell and give you a bunch of power-ups i'm like i'm not very far in the game at all because i haven't had enough time to just sit down and really engage with it but mm -hmm. like the controls like everything i love i love 90s capcom uh 90s capcom games uh, so like Mega Man, uh the Mega Man games Mega Man x and this game, Demon's Crest, just feels so good to play. Like you will, you'll, you can do a hover move where you like hover in the air. That's not hard to do. Like you execute it very expertly. It's just a tap of two buttons. When you jump, you can hang off things. That's awesome. It feels good. It feels right. It's easy to do. Um, and it's it's technical. So it's just you know like things will shoot at you as long as you're not there. You don't get hit. Uh, get used to the the mechanics and the controls and uh, you get really good at it more importantly the music is awesome the visuals like the pixel art looks really good um, and it's it holds up like it's it's actually a, a pretty fun game to play so I'm having fun with it uh, I don't really know 100% what's going on yet uh, it like I've looked at some screenshots I've heard other people play, uh, talk about this game which is the reason why I sort of moved towards it because I hadn't played it yet um I guess you can change shape. 
Um, so I'm oh. going to keep playing and just see, like you unlock souls and stuff. It's sort of like a soul stealing yeah, game. Yeah. Um, and you get power up. So I'm going to see what that looks like and how that, how that takes shape. Um, but yeah, so far I'm really digging it. Nice. I'm having a great time. That's nice. Um, uh, yeah, I played, oh, oh, <laughs> I'm like, what else did I play? I've been playing a lot of let Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Um, uh, yeah. Which came out for Switch. <coughs> and I was almost going to do that game today. Um, that was almost going to be my choice. Yeah. But I'm not done it yet. And even though I've spent almost 30 hours with the game, it's still not enough time to give a final verdict. Let me just say that presently I feel um, there are changes that have been put into this game that are positive. Very positive. Um it's basically a reimagining of the original uh, Pokemon Yellow, which I also owned. I've I've owned like I own Pokemon Blue, Red, Yellow. Uh, basically, if there was a mainline game, I owned it. Yeah. Um, some iteration of it, anyway. Um, and it's interesting. It's it's a little goofy. Uh, it ties directly into the original cartoon series, which is awesome. Uh, like you see. Uh, Jesse and James from Team Rocket from the cartoon, and you like you recognize them, um, and a bunch of other characters. Uh, it really brings the Pokemon world to life, especially in that region. I think it's the Kanto region. Um, and I'm just yeah, I'm having a good time with it. Um, the the uh, graphical upgrade from um, 3DS to Switch is not only obvious, but it's nice. It's yeah. Yeah. Everything looks good. It all sounds good. Um I don't have a lot of complaints. Uh there are this is kind of funny. There are competitive like sorry if you're a competitive Pokemon player and you're hearing me say this. Mm-hmm. Uh there are competitive Pokemon players that are complaining that it has a lack of complexity. It has a few things that are oh, scaled back. Yeah, yeah. Right. So number one, you can't breed uh to get exactly what you want. Um but there are other mechanisms in the game that allow you to do that. So it's not that big a deal. Number two, um, abilities and held items are no longer in the game, uh, at least not in this version of the game. So um, that totally scales back a level of complexity that um, people have been used to since, I guess, uh, Pokemon. Yeah, for quite a long time. (coughs) But um, also uh, fighting... Random encounter fighting um, Pokemon in the game doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Uh. Every Pokemon that you can catch shows up on screen. Their spawn rate is random, but once they're there, you can see them. You can dodge them. You don't have to engage with a single wild Pokemon if you don't want to. I encourage you to because you kind of have to make a party. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do engage with them, you don't fight them. You just catch them. And that's a big deal. That's a very big deviation. That's a huge change. Um, and what that is, that that reflects more of the Pokemon Go, like, so the mobile type of play. Yeah. Um, now, there are still Pokemon fights in this game. Like, the, the combat is still there. And it's the same level of complexity. It's just, it doesn't have the held items. It doesn't have the special abilities anymore. Um, and and uh, breeding isn't in there. So you can't get exactly, exactly, exactly what you want unless you do the work in other ways. Um, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest, like the, the no random battles, 
that it's got to be taken nice. away is great. Yeah. If like I don't want to have to fight a million Zubats going through a cave. Yeah. Right. Um. I don't like tra- traversing geography. Sure. Like the chore should be moving, not fighting your way to the top. Yeah. Because like that's not what this isn't the this isn't that type of JRPG. That's not what this is supposed to be. And what they've done and what they've established, like, the message is clear. Because the way that this game is getting responded to by, like, both veterans and people new approaching the game, it's favorable. Like, there are people who have said random encounters need to go. And now yeah. that they're gone, they're just like, this is Fantastic. how Pokemon should be moving forward. Yeah. Um, there are also people who are saying that the the catching instead of fighting element of the game is superior. So, like... Have the Pokemon battles between trainers. The catching should just be, like, why do you need to get your Pokemon to beat the shit out of something out in the wild in order to catch it? Yeah. Um, hmm. So, like, it's it's an interesting shift. Um, I feel very little remorse for anybody who's complaining about the changes in this game because we know Nintendo has announced that there is a, in air quotes, main line game coming out next year so like the next generation of pokemon is coming um (coughs) a lot of people are worried that abilities and held items won't be in that game because of the way that this game looks and i'm gonna be honest if the next generation of pokemon borrows from this one and takes even half of the lessons learned i'm okay with it the game still looks awesome the fighting is still there like the the combat mechanics are still there it's just dialing it back a bit yeah it's taking it back a bit and i would argue that maybe pokemon needed that because it is a series that has been around for years that has many iterations that is suffering from content bloat it is a bloated add stuff and add stuff and add stuff bloated system that could use some pairing back so yeah i'm i'm having a a very positive response to it um good 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 Friend of the show, Jamie, has uh, already traded with me. We fought once. Uh, we'll probably fight many more times in the future uh, because that's the way that we that's are. That's how you do. And, yeah, it's been good. It's been a very positive experience uh, in general. Also, like, it's something you can do with your kids, which I know is not important for you, but for Jamie, like, he's he's like, yeah, he's deal. playing it. His wife's playing it. Uh, their two children are playing it. So, yeah. like, that's such a big deal. And not a lot of people uh, think about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, hats off to Nintendo for that one. I'm really, really impressed. Uh, yeah, that's really all I got. That should be enough. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, did you want to talk about anything else quick or else we're going to shift into closing it down? I think that's it. Okay, well then. Um, okay, so we're going to close things down. So I just want to, uh, I want to thank you, the audience for taking the time to listen. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I hope, and I'm sure Stu hopes that you've enjoyed yourselves. Um, Stu, did you have anything you wanted to plug before we completely shut this show down? Uh, I am plugless today. That's fair. Um, so I'm going to throw out a quick thanks to Dimitri for our music. Another quick thanks to Joe for our, our art. Um, also, I want to say thanks to uh, Robert and Jay proactively uh, because I haven't been on their show yet, mm-hmm. uh, but that's going to be tomorrow. Um, and by the time anybody's it'll hearing air this, before the, yeah. Yeah, it'll <laughs> air long before we ever get this episode yeah. out. So uh, 
definitely check that out if you are interested in hearing me probably swear on another podcast. Um, so if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming podcast, oh, there's a spelling error. It's form, Learn From Gaming yeah. uh, podcast. We've got all kinds of social media stuff going on. So we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter. Um, somebody has encouraged me to get Instagram. I'm not doing it yet. Um, what would I post? Uh, the same things. <laughs> and, it's the same things. Uh, oh, I yep. don't know. Yep. Um, and once we, yeah, one, yeah. Mm, any, we're, we're on Google. iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Sound. So we're on all of the stuff. Feel free to check us out. Um, again, if you want to email us, feel free to do that as well. We do have an email address, which is learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. So, um, yeah, that's really all we got. So I just want to say thank you again, and thank you, Stu. Uh, and everybody, just tune back in again soon. Yeah, have, have a good everything, everybody. Bye.